Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. This episode of That Does Suit Madam is sponsored by a potato. Because that's what we recorded the pilot in. <laughs> hey, Unanimous, it's Mr. Jeff. And it's Mr. Brandon, and this is an episode of That Does Suit Madam, the podcast about Are You Being Served? Woohoo! Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Um, we have a very special episode today, do we not? It is a very special episode indeed. This is the one where Punky's friend Cherry gets locked in the refrigerator outside. No, and no, she finds drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and then Nancy Reagan comes. No, yeah, not at all. First, we need um, to say some thank yous. I think are in order. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Mr. Alvin again for coming with us last week to help us unpack Roots question mark. You've all done very You've well. You've all done very well. Yes, indeed. So that's very good. Yeah, uh, yeah so um, crazy we did Roots. Um, can't believe we did it, but I'm very proud of the episode. I think we all said some good stuff, especially Alvin for being so frank and sharing so some brave. Uncon- yeah. uncomfortable kind of shit, you know, uh, talking about race and oppression and things. But uh, anyway, we, we appreciate his, his contributions and representing the good Memphimians, uh, making him making <laughs> proud and those who can live in the water. Um, and what else? So we have some exciting news, do we not, Mr. Jeff? We do indeed, Mr. Brandon. We like to thank the good people at the His and Hers Perfume Company who have um, put together some money to sponsor <gasps> our very first Madam Con. <laughs> yeah, so we've kind of been teasing about it. Thank you. By the way, that's right, His and Hers. If you can't decide which one, why choose do both? Uh, Keep your chappy happy with something snappy and podcasting. And don't forget those <laughs> gay ties. Uh, yeah, so we've um, been luckily sponsored by a fictitious company, which allows us to create um, the That Does Suit Madam convention, which we are calling colloquially MadamCon. MadamCon. We kind of asked some people on Facebook, like, would you guys come to New York City? We're, we're going to temporarily move the headquarters from northern Mississippi of the <laughs> podcast to Manhattan to because that's an obvious thing to do. Um, and we decided to, what the hell, let's, let's open it up to the unanimous. So what does that mean exactly, Mr. Jeff? So on Saturday, July 17th, we're inviting you, the unanimous, to meet us in Central Park for a live recording <gasps> of one of our episodes. But which episode? Uh, that's my so drums. we're going fa- to fast forward a little bit, and uh, we thought it would be a really cool idea to do a fan favorite. Yeah. And as 
you know, we're starting season nine soon. Here, the let, episodes let are me, running let me out. Jump in. What's the one episode, unanimous, I'm speaking to you directly. What's the yep. one episode coming up that you're probably looking forward to the most? Is it the one Pause. where... where Pause for effect. <laughs> thinking, think. Is it the one where Tittles gets lost? Probably Is not. it the one where they all take bets on the horses? It's a good one, but probably not the one you're thinking of. Is it the pop star? Uh, (laughs) Maybe not. But which one do we think you all unanimous would like to do live with us in person the most? Which one? Drum roll. It's series 10, episode 3, The Hold Up. Yay! That's the one. You have to say, that's the one where... um, That's the one with... um, Tony. The and Tony, they and they, they dress up like Italian mobsters, and why don't you come right. up and see me some time? And then <laughs> Mr. Humphrey's like, you know I speak to my mama like a dat. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so good. So yeah, yeah, we're going to do a live podcast recording with Unanimous, whoever can get up to uh, New York for our little convention. Um, the Javits Center, unfortunately, is booked. That's like this yeah. giant, where they have RuPaul's Drag Race conventions and stuff. It was booked, so we couldn't book that. Instead, we're just going to gather on a blanket in Central Park, which is free. So that's okay. So there's no charge. Uh, we'd love to meet everybody. Um, and, you know, if you love Are You Being Served and you listen to our podcast and you meet other people from around this area who also do that, you probably have a lot in common with them. So they're probably cool people, right? So. Yeah, so come and hang out and either listen to us record if you're shy or if you're feeling gregarious that day, um, you know, bring a recording device and a headset and join us for the conversation. Exactly. And here's a little tip. Um, you know, when you're not in northern Mississippi compound with multi-million dollar <laughs> recording studios that we've set up like we do for this podcast, um, if you're in Central Park recording for us, all you need is your smartphone, which you have. And a pair of headphones, which you should bring. And that is all you need. <laughs> yeah. So, well, probably also a towel or a blanket to sit on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so what grass, we'll do is we'll, yeah. we'll meet in a central place and we'll give you all the details. But we wanted to let you know that this is happening. And we'll put a thing on Facebook as well. But uh, what do the people need to do, Mr. Jeff, if they want to say, I'm coming? If you are interested in joining us for Madam Con on Saturday, <laughs> July 17th, then please send us an email at that does suit Madam with an E at gmail.com. Exactly. And let us know. That's it. So it's going to be really fun, and it's about a month away, and we'll just keep it light and gay, and we'll just hang out. I think it'll be really cool. And then um, we will have, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 guest hosts on that episode, and we'll see. Fingers and toes. If we can get a word in it wise. I don't know, but it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So, yeah. um, but other than that, why else are we speaking to the nice unanimous people today? Mr. Jeff, we are releasing a, uh, deep cut, uh, before we, uh, released our first episode for <laughs> dear sexy knickers. It's so deep. It's like, you can't even see it anymore. It's, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, we recorded a, uh, a, a sample podcast about the pilot episode. Just to get our bearings about the recording and the editing, to make sure and what the we real talk to about. real recorder still worked from the '60s when this exactly. was a missile silo. It's a whole thing. You know, we converted. Right. It things. was before. It was before um, soundproofing was allowed in northern Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. They, so, they passed the um, law. It was a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So we're uh, not jumping into season nine quite yet. We're letting you listen to the pilot episode. Ooh, a little bit were, of a throwback. Yeah, people were like clamoring for that. So. 
We yeah. got to preface a little bit, don't we? Um, yes. So yeah. we are we, at the time we believed that we were very serious journalists <laughs> who were doing some undercover investigative reporting about this forty-year-old television. We were going to be like deep throat and like uncover people and you know. What did you call me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So there's not a lot of laughter on. We this were very serious, pilot. man. Like you know. Um, we had facts to uncover. We did not smoke marijuana before the recording. We were not stoned out and like staring at walls. We just were, we were figuring, we were feeling it out. You know, like like the, if yeah. you were driving your car for the first time and you didn't know how to drive, you probably wouldn't just laugh. So that's what we we we, we had our training. That's what it is. We had our training wheels on. We had our training <laughs> wheels on. Then I was like, where are you going with this metaphor and driving? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the other thing to point out is the audio audio quality is um, harsh. Let's put it like that. Um, it, again, it's before that we installed all the soundproofing here in northern Mississippi. You know what it was? Uh, we had a fun, we it, was, it was a winter. It was February. It was cold. We had our um, our big fire hearth going, and we didn't think that the recorders would pick it up. So you can you can hear the crackling of. Of the uh, the antique wood that we have shipped over from Sweden, <laughs> uh, burning. So you know. yeah, yeah. So we hope that you all enjoy listening to this uh, to this throwback to a year and a half ago about uh, when we started yeah. recording, uh, and then next week we'll be back with series nine, episode one, the sweet smell of success, and that's the one where Mrs. Slocum tries to sell her homemade perfume. Ooh. Okay. Well, I will say it's kind of fun from a podcasting perspective to listen to the very first thing we ever did. And it's a little bit of a time capsule yeah, for this little community we've created. And here. we really have like kind of figured out how the hell to make this thing sound better and like I think feel a little bit more like we really are in real life and um which you'll be able to experience live on the 17th of July. <laughs> so um yeah, so definitely don't forget to email us. We uh heard from a couple of folks who uh, who might fly into New York. That would be freaking amazing. So anyway, we hope to hear from you. And uh, with that, Mr. Jeff, as always, you've you've all done done very very well. well. And here is the pilot. Hey, everyone. I'm Jeff. And this is Brandon. And welcome to That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hurrah! And I would so like to say, we're gonna, this is my first podcast, so... This is my first podcast, too. We have to learn to not talk over each other. <laughs> yes. Why are, we, yeah. why are we doing this, Mr. Mr. Jeff? Well, when we first met, we found out that we had a love for the show, a common love for the show. And I believe the first couple of times we hung out, uh, we spoke entirely of quotes uh, from this show. And so we wanted to uh, have this be our love letter to the show because there aren't really a lot of uh, uh, recaps about it. There's some old blogs from back in like the Live Journal or Zanga days or even GeoCities. Um, but, you know, let's, uh, let's put this out there. I know that we've talked to a couple of people and there's also a lot of other people uh, in our age group that have fond memories of the show, both here and in the UK. Yeah, um, I uh, I have so many friends who I actually speak in Are You Being Served To with. So my friend Jimmy back in Arkansas, like I will just 
quote, a, a John Inman, Mr. Humphrey's quote about whatever happened to me day and today, and then he'll know exactly the response to give, you know, <laughs> and I bet a lot of people, if you find this podcast, you might be one of them too. And I think going to the age thing you talked about, you know, I'm 38. Um, I remember growing up in Arkansas when I used to watch Are Being Served on PBS on Arkansas Educational Television, um, AETN, and it would come on every night at 10 o'clock and I would record it on a VHS tape and in the morning when I get ready for grade school I would watch an episode of Are You Being Served so I was speaking to my colleague you know my student colleagues or whatever in junior high as if I was a British person from the 70s and I would never understand why they wouldn't get my jokes so it has instilled itself upon me so it's important it is important Mm. um and I think that there's also I think there's also a very queer sensibility about the show, obviously with uh, the Mr. Humphreys character, but in a lot of the other uh, jokes as well. I mean, we see a couple of uh, uh, times throughout the series. Uh, you know, right now we're watching the pilot episode, uh, and there's going to be a scene coming up in a few minutes where Mr. Lucas tries on the mannequin's wig as he's trying to get it out of the lift and uh, Mr. Humphreys makes some kind of snide remark. And so there's always that kind of um, playing with uh, innuendo uh, all across the sexual spectrum that we get through the show, which just adds to its hilarity. Um, But then you also get that fun misogyny of the 1970s, you know, uh, when Mr. Mash first comes on. And racism (laughs) and classism. And it's all there, all of the isms. Which, you know, I think that looking at this in context is is important, especially for the time and and intent. You know, I think that for the majority of the jokes, they're not intending to offend. There are going to be a couple of uh, bits that we'll cover, uh, hopefully if we make it all the way to the end of the series, that uh, do not hold up well today and probably should have never been made in the first place. But uh, it's, it's examining the entire series for what it is. Um, we've already had a, a little bit of misogyny in here when we first met uh, Mr. Mash. Uh, he, uh, he talks about women drivers and he calls Mrs. Slocum a middle class cow. Uh, and we'll see, you know, the whole, uh, the whole plot of this first episode is what's setting the series, uh, setting the stage for the series, that the uh, women's department uh, takes over space on the gentleman's floor. And there's a lot of animosity towards the women because they're taking up space that has been part of the gentleman's department for ages since the store opened. So maybe, also maybe we're getting a bit of ahead of ourselves. So if you've never heard of Are You Being Served and somehow you found this show, what the hell is this thing? Right? Are You Being Served? What kind of a funny web, kind of funny TV show is this? So I thought I would jump onto Wikipedia and just give people the 10,000, 30,000 feet view of what this show is. Because you might have seen it on PBS and thought, oh, that's that funny show from the 70s with the woman with the purple hair, right? That's how a lot of people know Are You Being Served? And then I say, well, actually, yeah. it's this huge, important TV show that was important to me as a kid. So I'm just going to read from Wikipedia just so we have a kind of a baseline. What do you think? Yeah, go for it. So uh, let me open up the um, great tome of Wikipedia. Oh, it's so heavy. Oh, okay, it's open. Uh, let's see. So Are You Being Served as a British sitcom created and written by executive producer David Croft 
and Jeremy Lloyd, uh, with contributions from Michael Knowles and John Chapman for the BBC. Set in London, the show features the misadventures and mishaps, you can say that again, of the staff of the retail ladies and gentlemen's clothing department of the flagship department store of a fictional chain called Grace Brothers. Now, this is interesting. The series would broadcast on the BBC for 10 series, so that's 10 years, totaling 69 episodes between the 8th of November 1972, so that's when the pilot was done, 1972, all the way to 1985, including five Christmas specials. So the pilot is 1972. Um, The Beatles broke up two years before. Um, Women's Lib is very much in the distant future. Um, The political correct term does not exist in any term. Um, It's a different world, isn't it? It is, yeah. And and this... And the show wasn't actually supposed to air on this date. It was actually a last-minute fill-in because in the fall of 72, that's when the Munich Olympics was happening, and that's where there was the massacre where uh, a bunch of uh, Palestinians took uh, Israelis hostage, some Israeli athletes uh, hostage, and unfortunately murdered them. And this was kind of a replacement fill-in when the BBC was uh, intending to broadcast uh, the Olympics live from Munich. So... uh, this wouldn't have aired when it w- did if it uh, hadn't been for a last-minute emergency. Seriously, I had no idea. So was that like they, they had the pilot ready and then they aired it because they had to do something because of the news? Yeah, they had the pilot ready, and I don't think it was supposed to air that uh, at that time. It was supposed to air uh, a little bit later because they wanted it to be picked up for a series. Now, obviously, you know, UK uh, television isn't on the same kind of cycle that U.S. television was at the time where new series only start in September um, and series being shorter than they are here in the States as well. Uh, And so when it actually ended up starting uh, later in 73, they launched it again with the pilot as part of the uh, as part of the regular um, uh, as part of the regular series. When uh, the pilot aired, it went up against Coronation Street on ITV because BBC had the Olympics. And so it did not do that well in its first season uh, because it was going up against Much Loved Kari. Uh, but eventually it did uh, take off and find a liking, uh, found a home and an audience. Uh, I didn't know British that either. Public. I mean, it's hard for us as Americans to know the importance of Coronation Street. It's essentially if you take um, Days of Our Lives... Um, all of the soaps that you've heard about growing up as a kid, which I guess are still on, who knows, um, but also wrap in like Taxi, um, Friends, Taxi. Uh, Frasier, like any, t- any show that's really big, make him into one show, and that is Coronation Street. It's like the most British thing. And it, for, I didn't realize for Are You Being Served to go up, the first episode against this giant show um, didn't do itself any favors. Um, I think yeah. it would be cool to kind of go over the characters and introduce them. Um, what if I kind of named the character and then you tell us who that person is? What do you think? Sure. Okay, so I'm off the Wikipedia page, so I'll just go in order. And um, I would like to just say right now that I think the star of the show is Mr. Humphreys. And he's absolutely the star of the show. Yeah. Absolutely. No question asked. Totally. And he is probably one of television's first insinuated gay characters. I mean, there are a lot of people who kind of toyed that, you know, 
went right up to the line. But I don't think anyone really did who was really mainstream until it was John Inman doing uh, Mr. Humphrey. So, so what is Mr. Humphreys? Who is he? So uh, Claiborne Wilberforce Humphreys is the second gentleman's assistant uh, at Grace Brothers. No, I'll have to stop you right um, there but before we get comments. It's Wilberforce Claiborne Humphreys. I'll just, you know, setting the record straight there. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I just, I just um, stopped 30,000 uh, mad tweets. So there you go. Go on. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I just remember that they, they call him Clay. Uh, for short, whenever they're on first uh, first name basis, which oh, yeah. happens very rarely in the series. It's a very formal anyway, series. Anyway, uh, he lives at home with his mother. Um, I believe that he lives um, in South London. Uh, and it's never actually said outright on this series what his sexuality is, but it is very often implied that he is some kind of queer, uh, everybody assumes that whenever he talks about a romantic partner, it's a man and he gets <laughs> upset. It's like, well, what made you think that? And I've got lots of friends who are women as well. And, uh, throughout the series, you know, I think that he does a great job, you know, part of the pun of playing both the straight man and the comic foil at certain times. Uh, you know, I feel that he is like the straight man to Mr. Lucas's foil, uh, and then is the foil to everybody else. Uh, and so he is just, I think, the most endearing. I think he gets the, the, the comic relief uh, consistently throughout the episodes. Um, a little bit of um, a little bit of conscience and Greek chorus in there sometimes, uh, but undoubtedly he is the star of the show. I believe he gets first billing in the end credits, right? Um, that's a good question. I'm not certain. Um, I, I will join join in a little bit to say that in 1972, there was a very famous British actor, and I want to say his name was Kenneth Williams. Is that his name that I'm thinking of? Oh, that sounds right. Uh, I'm just looking up right now. Kenneth, why prepare for a podcast when you can just do it live? Um, so Kenneth Williams, and let's just assume, um, yes, that was his name. Kenneth Williams was a um, really very popular um gay, kind of openly gay, probably not so much uh, actor. And he was like the king of camp. So in the late 60s, early 70s, which is predating Are You Being Served, he was like the camp character. And when his career started going down the, t- down the tubes, he refused to work. And there's a really good uh, film uh, that depicts his life. And in the film... His manager says, listen, Kenneth, um, John Inman is doing you on Are You Being Served on the BBC. Since you're not involved in TV anymore, he's taken your spot. So, you know, I, will, I do want to mention Kenneth Williams that he was kind of a pioneer. Um, but I don't know. John Inman just like took it and ran. And I think it's especially where I'm from in Arkansas. And I'm a gay guy, too. I don't think we've mentioned that. But um, uh, apart from my love of John Inman. Um, so in Arkansas, for some reason, like in the early to mid nineties, like all these old ladies in Arkansas who were like very conservative people love John Inman. And I think it was because Mr. Humphreys is a gay character and he was sort of safe. He never said he was gay. He was sort of like the nice, like questionable, safe guy. And I think as a gay guy, I find that a lot of women feel safe around me because I'm not like a straight guy. They don't feel like that might be, you know, harassed at all. So I think that helped John Inman, his character, um, uh, 
Mr. Humphreys to be ingratiated to a lot of people. And of course the gay people loved him, but also it was, I don't know. I'm trying to like, why, why was he so beloved? I mean, there were gay characters before, but there's just something magic about him. And I think the comic timing of the way he would react to act to, to jokes and stuff and the deadpan. And he was also really into pantomime, which is a whole other conversation we could have, but you, we could say a lot about Mr. Humphreys on the show. This should just be called the Mr. Humphreys podcast. <laughs> uh, and we're going to say a lot about Mr. Humphreys over the next uh, 69 episodes as well, uh, as well as our other characters. Um, so who's next in the in the billing? Uh, who would you want to introduce second um, well, to our This is listeners? probably the, if there were a duo of Are You Being Served, you would have Mr. Humphreys um, be the king. And the queen would, of course, be Mrs. Betty Slocum. Well, I think that Mr. Humphreys is definitely the queen. They would like, share the role. It's not going to twist it. They would share mm-hmm. the role. But Betty Slocum, absolutely. You know, she's the one with the outrageous colored hair that people tend to recognize when you talk about the show. Uh, Betty Slocum is from Blackpool up north. And she tends to talk in this very received British accent to try and uh, ingratiate herself with the upper class. You know, come across as very, very... A um, uh, little bit nose above the others. Uh, however, when she gets angry, you hear that northern accent come right out, uh, and she holds you know no bars there. Um, she is definitely known for her changing hairstyles. Um, she's got a love hate relationship with Mr. Lucas, one of the other characters on the show who plays the junior. Uh, there's oftentimes when they're um, they're quarreling with each other and just trading insults. And then there are a handful of times where you see that she has a thing for him or she you know, recognizes that he's attractive and tries to uh, uh, make a move and never, never succeeds, unfortunately. Poor Mrs. Slocum. I know, um, yeah. I, I have to admire, you know, it's, it's nice to give some space to these characters because we've, we've talked a lot about our love for the show. But, you know, with, I mean, I'm a, I count myself as a big feminist and I, I think about the scenes where Mrs. Slocum is kind of like she's not taking anyone's shit, you know? Like, there'll be a lot of scenes yeah. where she's the strong one, and there's a scene, an episode, where she knocks the heavyweight the heavyweight uh, wrestling champion out when no none of the men were too too scared to do. Weak as water. Weak, Weak as, as water. water. Yes. So that's a whole other thing. We have so many sayings we can go into. But yeah, she was really strong, and she was slightly older. And, of course, in that time, you would never... You know, a, a lady would never tell her age. But um, that was one of the the sources of gentle and not so gentle teasing for Mrs. Slocum, how old she was, how ugly she was, how much makeup she wore, how fat she was, like all of these horrible body image things. But I don't know. She had this like refined sense of dignity, um, which also probably became, came from the fact that she lived in a semi-detached house, which is, we'll also have to explain a lot of the Britishisms for the Americans off audience too. I think so. Yeah. We're discovering a lot of, a lot of the future of this podcast. Um, so we also have Miss Shirley Brahms. I'll, I'll go into Miss Shirley Brahms. So, um, Mrs. Slocum was the senior sales assistant for the ladies counter. Miss Brahms is the junior. And of course, um, as is rife with British, like class and hierarchy and stuff, especially back then, you know, she was common as muck and she was not very educated and didn't speak very properly. Uh, but, um, as Captain Peacock would uh, probably say, 
shows promise and was eager at the Christmas party. Um, <laughs> she was kind of the femme fatale. <laughs> she was a femme fatale. She was rather buxomy, and her décolletage was sort of on display. Um, but she received a lot of like, you know, the Me Too kind of like really unfortunate sexist stuff, but would also like snap back as well, you know. So even though it was like a definite piece of the 1970s, there was a kind of underlaying power to the women, which is probably why gay men love it so much, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think also, um, whereas... Uh, Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Lucas had that love-hate relationship. Um, Mr. Lucas was constantly pining after Miss Brahms. And very early on, uh, I think early on, especially in season one, we'll see that she does have an interest in dating him, probably not romantically, probably just to, you know, get a, a cheap meal in because, you know, <laughs> they're all making uh, terrible wages and whatnot. Uh, but over the over the years, they uh, definitely have an animosity. You think that they'd get paired up as well because they're the juniors, but it doesn't quite happen that way. There isn't. They're they're not constantly. Um, they're not like the Jack and Karen of this show in terms of like the second couple, as <laughs> Mr. Humphreys and Mrs. Slocum are. You know. Yeah, yeah. I almost want to like pause here for a second and explain like the juniors and all of that stuff because. Again, if this is new to you, you don't know what the hell we're talking about. So if you've seen the show um, Selfridges or any of those shows where they depict like 1902 London department stores, like the first department store ever, Harrods or, or whatever, it was very regimental and you would go up to the counter and say, hi, I would like a pair of socks. And then the person behind the counter would dash and go get a pair of socks. And of course, it was all hierarchical, so the senior person would sort of you know, sit around and smoke a lot and they would have the people beneath them go and actually do all the work. So, um, which is, I think Ari Being Served was poking fun of like the old uh, school London class of old people who came from money who haven't changed the way since 1920s, which in 1972, somehow you walk into this place and it seems so old fashioned, which is kind of, and then, you know, you have like Captain Peacock, who's the floor walker. There's no need to have a floor walker. You know, maybe in 1920 when women had to be escorted and always within earshot of someone who could help them or something because back then they thought women were so weak. But I don't know. I always kind of like that about the TV show that it made fun of like the stuffy old old fashioned ways of stuff. And then you have Mr. Humphreys who comes in and he's very modern, let's say, quote unquote. Right. Well, I mean, when you, when you think about floor walkers, if you think about like a Walmart today, they have greeters at the front door as soon as you walk in to make sure that you're greeted. Now, they're not necessarily going to direct you to haberdashery <laughs> like Captain Peacock would. Um, but I think that, you know, the, the old order of department stores has definitely changed a lot in over, you know, 50 years since this show was aired. Um, but even, I think, even as back then, it was still a little outdated. You know, stores were becoming more modern and a little bit more self-serve. Uh, and so this was a, um, there's a little bit of nostalgia uh, in the show, even in oh, totally. uh, its own time, you know? Yeah. In fact, now you say that there's a lot of scenes where um, they talk about the war. And of course it was 1972. So the war was what, 32 years 
earlier. Yeah. You know, and especially the older people talk about the war and sing war songs. So, and that's also kind of a British thing, I'd say, is nostalgia and all that stuff too. But um, yeah. we've talked a lot about Mr. Mr. Um, Mr. Lucas. Um, yes. So who's he? So Dick Lucas is the junior on the gentleman side. Uh, as of the pilot, he's only been working with the store for about a month. Uh, he is uh, young and, and handsome, uh, and uh, the you know both of the uh, the female assistants find him attractive to some degree. Um, because he's third in line, he hardly gets any sales, and I think that throughout the series we see. Um, a lot of the comedy comes from his bad luck in serving customers, whether that's uh, not being able to sell them something or uh, them returning something in the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, we see a lot of, um, he's hardly on time. Uh, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the episodes will start with them clocking in in the morning and we see uh, Mr. Lucas running down from the lift trying to make uh, to the sign-in book on time. Uh, the pilot is one of the few episodes where he actually is there early because he's helping the ladies' department uh, move in. Oh, interesting. I found this really interesting little note about um, Mr. Lucas. He has two first names. He goes by James Lucas, but then there's that famous episode where he goes as Dick. So the, the writers are, you know, amazing, but they kind of have little funny things. So this is from... from um, from uh, from Wikipedia, and of course he was played by the fabulous Trevor Bannister. Um, he they call him a young, penniless, womanizing junior salesman, a source of irritation for the female sales staff. Always referred to as the department junior because he's like the lowest, you know, kind of guy. Um, but Bannister was in fact one year older than Inman, so that's interesting because John Inman had gray hair. They assumed that he was older, but interesting. And what's really cool is. Uh, Wendy Richard claimed in an interview that the entire series of Are You Being Served was originally devised as a vehicle for Trevor Bannister, who in the, those days was thought to be like the next up-and-coming star. Uh, and it was, suggested, it was suggested that Mr. Lucas was intended to be the series' main character. So when you look at the first couple stories and the first episodes, he's very prominent. But then Mr. Humphreys came round and... Boom, he became the lead guy. So I never knew that. That's interesting. You want to talk about our, um, our fabulous floor walker? <laughs> um, if you've ever pictured, if you've ever seen a period British movie depicting someone who um, is in like from the 1920s who's in the Navy or the Army or the Armed Service or something, um, and someone who's probably been a, 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 an officer of some kind, and they have a bit of a mustache. And they're going slightly gray at the temples. And they speak as if uh, every word they speak has been given to them by the monarch. That is Captain Peacock. He is batting way above his weight. Um, punching above his weight? I don't know the term. But he yep, is... Punching above his weight. <laughs> he's the floor walker. So, again, one of these very old-fashioned positions that really has no purpose. But he's essentially like an upper-middle manager. Um, who controls the the floor of the ladies and gentlemen's department? He is very one of these old school British people who love the fact that he's upper middle class. Like in one episode, he casually mentions that he has a color television set, which at the time is like the height of middle uh, middle class, you know, upper middle class, really, because a color television set was like a year's salary back then or something. Um, 
He's very aloof, and he thinks that he is God, and that he is above everyone else. Which, again, the class jokes that this, the comedy, the, the, the writers use, is I think what makes the show so great. Like, the fact that he's so great, amazing, and he talks about going to the continent for holiday, but he actually went to Brighton. Or something, like, very local, <laughs> that is, like, kind of lower class, working class, common. And... He, and it's a cool contrast to see Captain Peacock, who we wonder if he is actually a captain in one of the episodes. Maybe that was a ruse to elevate him socially. Maybe he has more in common with Miss Brahms, the Cockney East London, you know, uh, junior. But the way he carries himself and he wears his red coronation, uh, somehow the world and society, anyway, sees him as much higher up the food chain. So... Yeah, in his name alone, you know, he insists on being called Captain as if he was this great war hero where he just served in the NAFI, which is the uh, Navy, Army and Air Force Institutes, which is basically the catering corps or uh, the people that ran uh, what the equivalent in the U.S. would be the PX, uh, the store where um, soldiers and their families would shop. It's almost like saying you went to a military high school was almost as if you went into the military, like our president's saying, but that's enough on that. We're talking about fun things. <laughs> um, do we talk about Miss Brahms, or do we kind of just... No, we've talked about Miss Brahms already. A little yeah. bit, yeah. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I think that... For our British folks, I just want to say, uh, of course, she was played by Wendy Richards, who went on to play in Coronation Street, going closing the loop there. Um, she was on there for like almost 20 years, but she... Was she, uh, was she on Cari, or was she on EastEnders? Oh God! Did was she on both? All right. Let me t- let me go. Maybe I'm just completely being bad here. But she was definitely on EastEnders. Oh, she was, was on EastEnders. I'm wondering if she's so on right. both. Never mind. She played Pauline yeah. uh, Fowler. Pauline Fowler, right? She, yeah. She did it for 22 years, and um, yeah. So she. So in Britain, people probably remember her as EastEnders, not already being served. But over here, we don't know yeah. what EastEnders is. I mean, you know, it's it's great, but. You know, I, I'm loyal to my yard being served. So, um, let's see. Um, how about Mr. Granger? Who's he? Is he a young, hip, kind of cool cat? Yeah, so that's exactly who he is. <laughs> uh, so, Mr. Granger is the senior in the department, uh, and he's uh, a little bit hard of hearing, uh, a little bit, a little bit feeble. Uh, he very often will become overcome with emotion when. Uh, he has some kind of shock as if um, uh, when uh, Mrs. Slocum will pull out a piece of lingerie or something and uh, always have to have Mr. Humphreys or Mr. Lucas fetch him a glass of water. Uh, and that's one of the running jokes that we'll explore. Uh, we'll come back to uh, throughout this series. Yeah, it says here on Wikipedia, it was played by Arthur Bro, B-R-O-U-G-H, Bro, Bro, hey, Bro, I don't know, Mr. Arthur Bro. Uh, the late great, um, 40-year veteran of Grace Brothers, his character was, a senior sales assistant and head of the gents department, who often falls asleep on the job, is usually grumpy, and wears a measuring tape over his shoulders, which was a sign of um, a status symbol. Um, and he died, the, the actor died before the filming of season six, so that's why they had someone else come in. And then there were lots of other characters who kind of came in after him. Um, there's Mr. Mr. Tebbs, who I always thought looked like Teddy Roosevelt. Um, yeah, James <laughs> played by James Hader. Um, he came in after Mr. Granger and then I think he was just there for one year. Then Mr. Gold, Mr. Harry Goldberg came in, uh, played by Alfie Bass who replaced Mr. Tebbs. 
and he was kind of interesting. He was only there for a year. Then we had Mr. Grossman who came in, uh, played by Marlo Sperber. But again, like it just Mr. Granger was really cool and like he fit in with the the, the, the cast really. I think. Uh, and then lastly, uh, in the eighth series, um, there was Mr. Abraham Klein. Mr. Klein, I don't really remember much about him, but so yeah. So Mr. Granger, um, his the actor passed away, so they had lots of um, replacements there. And then um, we have the last. I think. Uh, oh, go ahead. The last major character I think to introduce is um, the head of the department, Mr. Rumbold, uh, played by Nicholas Smith, uh, who. Um, I think one of the keys of his comedy is um, malapropisms. Right? He tends to misunderstand words or uh, use them in the wrong context or completely mishear what people are saying. Uh, there's a lot of puns and a play on words with, uh, with him when they're, the department is trying to explain something that occurred on the floor earlier and he's trying to recreate it for a report or an inquiry. And so that's... That's a source of comedy throughout the uh, the series as well. Um, I love how again going back to the class like comedy outlying here or the the outline of it. Um, he was very bumbling and he was upper management and everyone in the entire company looked towards him as a leader, but he really didn't know what the hell he was doing. Um, it's sort of like uh, upstairs downstairs a little bit where the people who are the most common folks, the salt of the earth, they really do the work and they know what's going on. And the people who get paid the most, who do the least, are stupidest, really. So, you know, there's a lot of comedy that comes from that. Um, Time to look at the list of people before we actually look at the, the, the uh, series uh, uh, first episode. Um, we have old Mr. Grace and young Mr. Grace. Um, old Mr. So young Mr. Grace um, was played by Harold Bennett, who was an old... Not vaudeville, but like the British version of vaudeville, way back in like the twenties. Like he was a big actor back then, but he was in his nineties um, when he was on the show. So he was very old and frail, and he was young, Mister Grace, which implied there was an old Mister Grace, which was even funnier. Um, and he was kind of a womanizer, going back to like the sexist jokes. Um, and the one last guy I would kind of want to mention is just because he played such a great role in the last episode is um, Bert Spooner, who was played by Mike Berry, who was um, a actually a pop star in Britain, and then he wanted to become an actor. And so the last episode, when he sings a song, he had a radio, like a song on the radio at the time. So um, kind of a weird part, but it's kind of a fun episode on the last one there. So. Yeah, so he actually ended up fulfilling the, the destiny they had tried to write for Trevor Bannister in terms of actually becoming you know, a breakout star. Yeah, I think it was, I think he was a pop star before the show, and I think he got on the show because why not? I don't know, but that'd be, maybe we can look into that in the future. So that's kind of the, the, the series characters. Um, there are Mr., there's Mr. Harmon, and there's lots of other people, but you know, maybe we do an episode on the minor characters or something. But. Yeah, I mean, I think that over, you know, over the, the course of the, the podcast, we'll, we'll meet them as they come in and as they start to play um, uh, roles uh, that are central to the plot uh, of each uh, of each episode. So uh, those are the characters, the main characters of Are You Being Served? And uh, thanks for listening to us today. And uh, next time we'll dive right in with the very first episode uh, that was aired after the pilot called Dear Sexy Knickers.
Wow. Cool.